So pretty, pretty, long in class, long in class. I spoke the other time that what holds our marriage together is not our certificates, neither is it our vows, but all our rings. In modern days, regarding Adam and Eve, there was nothing like signing a document or a certificate to make you married or to legally bind you as married couples. In the olden days, that was not needed or that was not used. But the God that binded them together was enough for them. However, due to evolution or uh, the hardness of the heart of men, and thirdly also, due to, due to certain things that happen when um, divorce takes place where one party is left without anything or one party takes other things and so forth. Divorce is then um, allowed so that people can be able to share their properties and what's, what's not and so forth. But then, from the original intent, God did not create marriage or institute marriage for it to enter into divorce. And therefore, God did not institute anything like document or certificate. It was only men that instituted certificates based on certain things that came up, evolution and many other reasons. Are you with me? However, these things that men uh, put in place as institutions to be able to uh, help them facilitate their marriage became a problem to them. This particular thing became a problem to them. The marriage certificate became one of the major problems in our marriages now. What am I trying to say? It is because people end up signing, can you be with me, be with me. It is because people end up signing a certificate that they feel that what keeps them together or what makes them to be known as couples is a certificate. In that, when that certificate uh, gets bent or when uh, something like that happens, they feel that they are not married anymore. But I want to state categorically that even if on paper, legally on paper, you say you are divorced on paper, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are divorced or the covenant is broken. Please follow carefully. So last week, someone asked the question about what if, okay, I go marry someone outside because of um, the great papers or to have permanent um, residence at a place, and then I come down to Ghana and marry my real wife and all of that. And then we say that that is not acknowledged. The one that you marry on the paper, according to scripture, is your first one. And then the second one, whoever it is, though they may be your main love, will not be acknowledged by God. I'm saying this because even if there is a cancellation on the paper, there is a termination of the marriage on paper, doesn't necessarily mean that the covenant of marriage between you and the person is broken. Because marriage is not a contract but a covenant. Tell me that marriage is not a contract but a covenant. Marriage is not a contract but a covenant. The reason why we are saying that marriage is a covenant and not a contract is basically because when we have a contract, a contract says, I will do this and you will do that. When I do this and you don't do that, 
it terminates the agreement. And after the agreement is being terminated, you pay for damages. Are we here? So you see that marriage is not taking the same term, whereby when people are married and there is a divorce, they will sue each other for damages. One will sue for money, sue for property, and so forth. They are suing for damages. Whereas marriage from the intention of God is not a contract, but a covenant. So you see people beginning to practice marriage as a contract. And that is why we end up seeing a lot of divorce cases now because of the understanding of marriage. They think that what keeps them together now is the paper, the contract. And now I hear that if you want to process a divorce case, even in Ghana, the least amount of money you will pay to start the proceeding is 10,000 Ghana cities. So that because of that, it makes it even difficult for people to divorce on paper. And so a man can say they will not divorce you on paper and yet they have left you. You can't also marry according to law. <laughs> so when you do something according to the laws of the nation, it becomes adultery. So if you don't have ten k, you can't start divorce. The kid is giving love. It is well. <laughs> so <laughs> marriage is not a contract as we have compelled it to look like, but a covenant. A covenant says that. I will do this no matter what. I will do this, I will stay by you no matter what. But a covenant says that I will do this, but if you do that, I will leave. Are you here? But a covenant says that I will stay with you, I will do this no matter what happens. And that is what many people don't understand. Many people will not move quickly into everything for divorce are the least problem in marriage if they don't understand that marriage is a covenant but they see it to be a contract so most of the lawyers who say that now they have tend to be counselors they have even tend to be pastors because because the people don't necessarily have the, the needed money for to process their divorce or because of some cases some cases can just be dealt with at home and yet they bring it to court and as a result of that, they end up becoming counselors and uh, pastors to be able to solve their issues amicably than going through the stress of divorce. Hmm. Many people also, when they begin to understand marriage as a covenant, what they do is that because no matter whatever I do, you will not leave, or no matter whatever I do, I will not leave, they end up seeing that, okay, if that is the case, I can do anything I want. That is not a yardstick. Tell someone that is not a yardstick. The fact that marriage is a covenant, and no matter what I do, you will still stick with me. It doesn't mean that I should go ahead and do whatever I want. Are we okay? And I will explain even according to scripture with Jesus Christ. Because when we do not understand marriage as a covenant, we will trust in our paper. What keeps your marriage together is not the paper. The paper is simply for the nation to acknowledge that you are married and to also facilitate other legal processes of your traveling and documents and other things. But with God, that paper is not of necessity to God. Because even on paper, you can say you are married to someone and with God, God doesn't even acknowledge 
that marriage. And I spoke the other time that when your father is leading you to the altar, it's not necessarily your father leading you to the altar as the bride, but it is God himself leading you to the altar because God himself was the one that led Eve to Adam. And so who leads you to the altar is very much important. And someone asked, so does it mean the second person that a person is going to marry, is it God? And I said again that even though it may be someone sending you to the altar as a second wife, doesn't necessarily mean that God is in that marriage. Are we okay? The book of Matthew chapter 19, the verse 3 to the verse 8. Marriage as a covenant and not as a contract. Verse 3 to 8. Yes, please. Those people, the Lord of God, and Pharisees came to him and put him to the test by accident. Is it lawful that the marriage to dismiss and divorce one's wife? So the Pharisees came because they know that God's institution of our marriage is for divorce not to take place. They came to test Jesus Christ with a question. But is it good? Is it right for us to divorce? And what did Jesus say? What Jesus said? And he replied, Have you never read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? Mm-hmm. And he said, mm-hmm. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be united family. Yeah, we explain so this scripture intensively. The first teaching we explain intensively. To okay. his wife. Mm-hmm. And the two shall become one flesh. Yes. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Mm-hmm. What therefore God has put together, mm-hmm. let no man put asunder. Then he said to him, Why then did Moses command us to give a certificate of divorce? This is the problem here. Mr. Jesus, he can tell us that it is one man, one woman. And you are supposed to marry for a lifelong relationship, and it is not permitted to be terminated until any of the partner dies. Then why is why did Moses permit the people to have a certificate of divorce? Why did Moses permit the people to have a certificate of divorce? And what went on? And he said to them, because of the hardness. So the certificate of divorce is not because God wants you to divorce, but it is because of the hardness of the heart of people. The stubbornness of the people. So we come to the point where it is not the perfect will of God, but it can be the permissive will of God. It may not be the perfect will of God that you divorce or that you break up, but it may be the permissive will of God because of the hardness of your heart. The hardness of the heart of the people. So then Moses permitted it. Not even God, but Moses permitted it. But then again, Moses stands as the oracle of God. So if Moses permits it one way or the other, God equally acknowledges it. Hmm? From the beginning, it was not ordained. It was not ordained to be so. From the beginning, it was not ordained to be so. So from the beginning, it was not ordained for marriage to be a contract that you can divorce at any time you want. But people enter into marriage one year, they are divorced. Two weeks, they are divorced. It was not ordained for you to have a divorce. 
That is why it is key for you to know who you are getting married to. Is it the right person? That you will not enter into the marriage before you begin to search that, oh, am I really the right person or not? It is not ordained to be so from the beginning. Yet Moses permitted a divorce, not because Moses wanted you to divorce, but because of the hardness of your heart. So by covenant, if you and I have a covenant, regardless of what you do or I do, it doesn't destroy the covenant. It may destroy the relationship between you and I, but it doesn't destroy the covenant. Let's get this straight. That is why some people make black covenant in love. Those days it happens a lot. And when they make those covenants, I know that some of you, when you were young, you were thinking of black covenant because you didn't want to be that partner. Here you are now. Thank God for your life. Okay. Most of you, most of you talk about black covenants at some point of your life. But then, you see, some people entered into black covenant and they said they would not go to any other partner or if they do this, this and this should happen to them. And by so doing, by so doing, when something happens in the relationship and they have to now split, one person either goes mad or one person either dies. Because your splitting is not the end of the covenant. Your splitting may be the end of the relationship, but may not be the end of the covenant. Even outside the country, I think in Europe, sir, there are some places where at bridges, people are able to lock their love on a bridge. Or they'll lock it with a padlock and they'll throw it in the river. Those are all parts of government. But those physical things are signs and tokens. Are you with me? Those things are signs and tokens to physically show that this thing, when we see this thing, we are able to remember our covenant. The book of Hebrews chapter 13, the verse 5. Don't be quick into entering into relationship covenants until you are sure. Marriage is a covenant, so when you are going to make a vow, don't go into it when you are not sure. It is a vow. It is a covenant. Okay. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money. Now, number one, he says, let your character, your moral disposition be free from the love of money. He did not say be free from money. He didn't say not make money. He didn't say not be prosperous. But he said, let it be free from the love of money. Then you tell you what you should love. Move on, man of God. And why you should do so? Hmm? Be free from the love of money, hmm? including greed. Including greed. Hmm? Love. Hmm? For every possession. Hmm? And be satisfied with your present hmm? circumstances and with what you have. Hmm? For he God himself has said. For he God himself has said, and then I will not. This is the reason why God doesn't want you to love money. He is saying this because of the covenant he has with you. He will not do what? I will not in any way tell mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. nor give you up, mm-hmm. nor leave you without 
not support. I will not. I will not. I will not. In any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let me down. Relax. Thank you very much. But it's okay. I will not even relax my hold on. I will not relax. Like me in Jaija, I will not ever relax my hold on you, my grip on you. I will not relax it because what? That is the captain he has to do. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you, not leave you any day. I am with you always and forever. This is the covenant Jesus has with us, that he will not leave us. So long as we became Christians, we, we had a covenant of oneness with Christ. And he said that by this covenant, I will be with you. And never will I relax my hold on you. However, for me to be able to accomplish this covenant, don't love money. For our covenant to be potent, for our covenant to be potent, don't love money. Make money. Eh? I always teach on money. I always teach on you making business, doing stuff, making be- being better than yourself. Even the mandate of the ministry is to unveil the you in you. So anytime you are not doing what you're supposed to do, I'll come and lash you. You know how I lash you. I'll speak to you to do it well. <laughs> but he said that in those things, do not love the possess. The love of it is the problem. So he said that I am in a relationship with you. I am in a covenant with you. But in this covenant I have with you, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Never will I even relax my grip on you. Do not love money. For money is a master. He, God, is a master. He, Jesus, is a master. But money also is a master. These are two masters. If you are loving me, love me. But if you love the other, it means you don't love me. This is how the covenant gets broken. I will explain further. When you are married or you are in a relationship, Jesus is making us aware here that it is possible to love another person even when you are in a covenant with someone. It is possible to feel something for someone else even when you are dating. Even when you are married, it is possible, it is highly possible to feel something for another person who is not your partner. Jesus said here, love not money. When you love me, I will not forsake you nor leave you. I will not withhold my grip from you. I will not relax my hold on you. But don't love money. It is possible that you will say that you will have a covenant with Christ and still be in love with money. So that he begins to teach us to understand what love is and what the covenant of love does. But even though it is possible for you to love another outside our covenant, even though it is possible for you to be influenced to, 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 to love or to go for, to be attracted or attractive to another person, you should not go to that person because of our covenant. Are you here? Are you here? So please don't fight, don't fight anyone who seems to have fallen in love with someone else outside your covenant. Who seems to have had a level of feelings or attractiveness or attraction towards another person outside the covenant. But then, if you guys have a covenant, you must revisit that covenant on the altar and make that love quench. I'm teaching you. I told you that every one of you must have a prayer altar, a marriage prayer altar. 
That's where you settle your situations. Don't lie to yourself. The people who have been married for 50 years, they have been married for 30 years, they have been married for 5 years, 10 years, 2 years, even relationships, they have tested one way or the other to feel for another person than they are in the relationship with. But he said that we know the covenant we have with each other. And by the covenant we have with each other, we must be conscious not to love the other, not to love money. Even though we are in covenant with this person, we must be conscious not to be in love with the other. Are you here? You must make a conscious decision. But this is who I am in covenant with. Even though I'm in covenant with you, I may feel for someone else. I may fall in love with someone. Why would people go for a second wife and third wife? Some people will ask the question, is it, is it possible to love another once? I, I, think, I think last week, Typically, one lady asked the question. He said, Is it possible for you to love another person when you are in love with someone? La- last week, Timothy, we were talking about polygamy step on the trash. I was even surprised that they were doing so because on that Sunday we talked about polygamy. And the question they were the, the guys who answered the question is not like look at how old they are. And they are. The level of their wisdom was so little in answering such questions. But it's fine. It is possible. It is possible to love someone outside the relationship. It is possible to love someone outside the marriage. But is it the right thing to do? No. But is it possible? Yes. I said the other time. Is it possible for a man to feel for another man? Is it possible for you to feel for another man? Yes. Is it possible for you as a woman to feel for another woman? Yes. But is it the right thing to do? No. It's not the right thing to do based on morals or the details of our nation, but it's not the right thing to do because of the principles of God that we are guided by. It is not what society says is good or not, it is what God has said to us. So the fact that society is marrying second wife and third wife doesn't mean we should equally do so. So the fact that it has become normal in a way to have Side chicks doesn't mean that it is normal for us. Even men of God, I haven't so. Some men of God will say so. <laughs> I'm serious to shock you. <clears throat> there are things we know we can't talk about. Because if we begin to talk about them, then some of you will lose faith. Or so open all your side. In the end, yes. On even Wednesday, I saw evidence of another man of God who is great in this nation. And we stand on the pulpit and begin to introduce the wife. <laughs> if I say what he says, some of you will know because some of you are playing with me morning and all that. But he has sighted. He does deliverance powerfully. He preaches powerfully. He tears prophecy powerfully. I'm talking about detailed prophecies. Powerfully. He's the biggest I take. So I am saying that these things are things that will happen in this dispensation. But then, the fact that someone is a man of God doesn't exempt them from it. 
Let him that thinketh he stands, let him take heed lest he falls. Let him take heed lest he falls. So everyone can be an influence or can be influenced by that thing. But it is our duty as a wife or as a husband to prevent our people from easily going into the arms of the other. Or to also talk to our own self and conscientize ourselves. And even though I feel this, I must cancel it because it is not what God wants for me. Are you here? Don't act all holy and quiet before me. Let's go to the book of John chapter 10, verse 28. Now I want you to listen to this one very carefully. John 10, 28 to the verse 30. John 10, 28 to the verse 30. Yes, please. And I will give them eternal life. And they shall never lose it or perish throughout. This is the covenant. This is the covenant. The covenant Jesus has with us. Understand covenant in marriage. So I will give them eternal life. Mm-hmm. And they shall never lose it. And they will never lose it. You are not supposed to lose your marriage. It's a covenant. Or perish throughout the ages. Your marriage is not supposed to perish throughout the ages. No matter the year, no matter the season, you are not supposed to make sure that your marriage perishes. You must make sure it stands for better, for worse. Through all the ages, through all the seasons, for better, for worse. You know, some people say for better, for better. I, I, when my spiritual father was getting married, and um, Sina Bishop himself of Action Chapel, I think second in command, Action Chapel, was blessing the marriage for them. And they began to recite their marriage vows. For better, he says, for better, for better. The man of God said, for better, for worse, he says, for better, for better. Because of that statement, the man of God had to preach another message. <laughs> Before he had now to come and say, for better, for worse. <laughs> I'm serious, it happened. We went for the marriage and all that. He said, for better, for better. He doesn't believe it for better, for worse. <laughs> oh, no, God, you move on. See, acknowledge covenant. It is for better, for worse. A contract won't break when there is the worst. They say, I didn't sign up for this. When I married it, everything was okay. But now, this is not what I signed up for. It is for better, for worse. That's the covenant. It sticks together. Or it is for worse to better. It can be any way. Are you here? So ladies, if you are marrying someone because of their car, ladies, when you begin to date someone, do you have a car? Do you have a car? Do you have a car? Some ladies are too low to an extent that they ask that you have a car. So a car is the basis for marrying someone or dating someone. Do you have a car? Come on, brother, let's move on. So, if you, so if the man who's that car, that car, the covenant is. <laughs> people don't understand covenant. Come on, move on. And no one is able to snatch them out of. Now, listen, he said that by this covenant, no one is able to snatch them from my hands. Oh, my God. My father, who has given them to me. The reason why no one is able to snatch them from my hand is because my father gave them to me. I will explain. This scripture is also talks about marriage. From the from the start, um, the verse 27, 26, you see marriage in them. He said, because my father what gave them to me. Mm-hmm. And my father who gave them to me is greater. 
He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And I and my father are one. Let me just end it for you. Now, the person says, I and my father are one. Can I have a male and a female? A male, oh, can I tell you volunteer? A male and a female, quickly. A male, a male, a male, a male. Oh, come on, let's do that. Anyone at all? Okay. Um, can you come? Stand here, can you stand here? So, can you all see? Okay, now, this is a husband and this is a wife. He says, God said, or Jesus was saying here that, my father who gave them to me, my father, the father, father-in-law, who is also biological father-in-law and also heavenly father, heaven, father, gave them to you in marriage. He is greater. He is greater and mighty. He says, no one shall by any means or be possible to snatch them from me. The reason why no one can snatch your wife from you is because your father gave them to you. Or your father gave her, rather, to you. No one is able to snatch your wife from you because your father gave your wife to you. Not only because your father gave your wife to you, but because your, the father-in-law is greater. And mighty. And it goes ahead to say, because no one is able to snub them from you, because my father is greater and my father lives in me, it goes ahead and last that I and my father are one. How do I explain this before you want to start there? Can I have uh, a male or a female again? Adam male and female. Adam, can you come quickly? You just stand there for me. Just stand here. Both of you stand here. Okay. I want to demonstrate this to you. So please hold your hands like this. So this is top, this is husband, this is wife, and I am God for today. <laughs> or for this demonstration. So I am God. Okay. I gave her to him for marriage. The reason why I did that is because this one and me, we are one. Are we here? And because we are one, I am concerned about his well-being and who will better his life. And then whatever be his need, I give him a woman according to his need. Not according to his possession. But then, there may be external forces, either spirits or men, who will want to snatch this one. It can either be the male also wanting to be snatched away. But for the purpose of this, we get the women. Okay, now, put of you down. There might be this woman. You are not into those things, but... There might be this woman who wants to snatch this one outside the marriage. Come into this one, you know how broken has one mama. And she's trying to snatch this one, the wife, away from the marriage. This one also comes and also shoots his shots. Saying all the things. You see, trying to also snatch this one away from the marriage. But the reason why this one will be able to stay in the marriage is not because he has learned anything too much, but it is because this one and his father are one. Are you here? And because the oneness between the husband and God, he even though he wants to give up, God will give him strength not to, for him, not for him to give up. Are you here? He will want to leave, he will want to break up, but God will keep making him hold. The reason why his hand is still holding the marriage is not because of he himself, but because he and his father are one. His father is giving him 
strength. His father is giving him wisdom to be able to lead his home or to build his home. And it's not necessarily him who is keeping the marriage, but it is the father. Are you here? So if the father knows that money will destroy the home, the father begins to provide money for the son. Anywhere he could, so the home can be kept. If the father thinks that it is wisdom that his son lacks to keep the home, the father begins to provide wisdom to the son to keep the home. Why? Because I and my father, we are one. But when he and his father are not one, when he's trying to keep the marriage, he will easily give up the marriage because we are not one. There is no strength coming anyway, so the marriage begins to break. Now, then again, watch this now. Try to hold the hand, both of you. Now, these people are married or these people are dating. They are couple according to God. According to the will of God, these people are married in the spirit. Because even before Mary and Joseph got married physically by men, God had already ordained and acknowledged Joseph for Mary. Are we here? So God can ordain someone for you even though you might not be married according to the, uh, the ways of man on earth. So now, these people may be couples married or unmarried and they are together this is me god holding them i am my father i want so even though it may be a man right now sometimes it may be the, the man going away but if the man if the, if god and the woman are one she can only keep her home the same way the man can keep the home do we understand this so it's not only the man it can equally be the woman so the woman must strive to be one with god and the man must also strive to be one with god then they can also be able to establish oneness but when the woman is not one with God, or the man is not one with God, this one has entered and that's example. And that is why some of you, there are relationships you want to break up from, you cannot break up because one person or the or two, two of you are one with God, one way or the other. People will say whatever they want to say. Talent will come anywhere talent wants to come. But you guys are still together. You think he's just what is it? What is it? What is it? You are one somewhere. <laughs> okay. Now, these ones want to pull this one away. Are you here? But the, the fact that my father is mighty, you see, logically, these two have enough strength to pull this one away from this one person. Can we establish that? Two better than one, right? These two have an ability to pull the wife away from the man. But when God comes inside, and these ones are pulling. This one also stands here. That God is here, who is mightier and stronger, is here. So even if you try to pull her away, you can't pull her away from me. I am God. But then if God is not in the factor and you are trying to pull, she will easily go away. Do you understand this? Come sit down. Thank you very much. Do you understand this illustration? So the two can easily pull the wife away or can easily pull the man away if the other party is not one with God. And that is why in our marriage, in our covenant, we must strive to be one with God. That is only when our covenant with our partner can hold together, not certificate, not ring. Understand again that so long as you live on earth, fiends, people, spirit will continually fight your covenant and your union of oneness. Every day it will happen. But you must make a conscious effort to be one with God. Only then.
can you be able to maintain your home? But if there is a level of shakiness with your oneness with God, you will easily find yourself in dilemma about keeping the oneness between you and your spouse. Even if it is for evil, even if these people are not even meant to be together, and they establish a level of oneness, even God Himself will understand. God will understand. I will explain. Understand? Even though He understands, doesn't mean that there will be no consequences. God from the onset had given a command to Samson unto whom Samson is supposed to be engaged to. He shouldn't take a woman from this particular region or this particular country. But Samson saw Solomon now is in the midst of the Philistines. He said, I want that person. These are the same people you were sent to be a judge over or to for destruction. And yet you went to pick a woman from there. When you were told along the way that do not pick a woman from there. And he was told, he says, now nah, and now I'm Eventually it led to his downfall. So then God still was there watching him to still be in company with the one who is not for him. And kept quiet because he knows at the end there are consequences and then he eventually will know his ways. Are we here? That is why you must know who you are with. It is not also every divorce case that we will say that they, they, they are not meant for each other or it's not a will of God for them to be together. No. There are people who are meant to be together and they have divorced. Why? Because there was not oneness between the partner and God or the partners and God. It's not because they are not meant to be together. And there are people who are not meant to be together and they have been together for all this while. Are you here? Or are you here? Your oneness with God is key to the sustenance of your marriage or your relationship. Your oneness with God is key to the sustenance of your marriage or your relationship. And so long as that person is the will of God for you, you will keep facing attacks upon attacks upon attacks. And in those attacks, you must know that one way or the other, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. So one way or the other, because of that dictates of the flesh, the man or the woman may fall one way or the other. They may fall in terms of being abusive verbally or physically abusive. Or they may fall in doing other things. But that is why God instituted forgiveness in covenant. But for, for covenant to still be covenant, there must be establishment of forgiveness. You can't say you are breaking up a covenant because someone has done something. No. He wants covenant to last long. That is why he is like covenant. That no matter what a person does, you forgive and remove all the covenant. Does someone forgive? If you are not one with God, 
Your partner can easily be snatched. Some people say, if they are mine, they will not leave. If they are for me, they will come to me. If they are for me, I am here. If they go, they will come. Hey, some people did not go. Some people were snatched. Listen, not everyone went to. Some of them were snatched. Some of your boyfriend were snatched. Some of your girlfriend were snatched. They did not go. Someone snatched. That's why, that's why they break up with you one week, they enter another one. They were snatched. They were snatched. So it is possible for someone to snatch your own. But then if you are one with God, he that is in me is greater. Is greater. Hmm. Okay, I want to cast I won't swear, I won't do anything. If he goes me, that they're not for me. <laughs> You don't know what I'm talking about. It's funny. For couples to be able to live for long and to experience bliss in marriage, both of them must be forgiven. Both of them must be forgiven. You cannot enjoy your marriage, your relationship with your spouse or even with anybody in this life without forgiveness. This forgiveness must be practiced every day. Every day. Some partners can be very annoying that every day they can, they can do something to hurt you every day. Today it is the way they talk. Tomorrow is the way they place something somewhere. Tomorrow is another thing. They can do like they, it seems that they have an anointing to disturb you. Just like some ladies can just be there and just plan to annoy a guy. <laughs> so why would you be there and just pretend to do something to annoy someone like <laughs> Ladies, why do you do that? <laughs> eh? Ah! <laughs> Sometimes it's better not to see anything else. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to make it sleep. Don't awaken it. Sometimes make it sleep. <laughs> if you see it and it's quality, no, no, no. It is important for us to establish forgiveness in our relationship and in our marriage. Without that, we can never experience marital bliss. Because love is forgiveness. Love is forgiveness. If you are a Christian, you must love. And love is forgiveness. Many of us think we are forgiving people, we are forgiving this and that, but even we, we, our experience, we are not forgiven. We are not forgiven. This is because of where we are by the grace of God, by hearing to know God more. We get to see things about your life that you see yourself. And we will tell you things ahead of time. I think on Tuesday, I was with one of my daughters, and I was doing something for her, I went to do something for her, and whilst we were chatting, and we, were, we had a great time, and we were chatting, and 
said, Bishop, you know, when I was with my spouse, and he told me that in this relationship, what can keep us together forever is forgiveness. He told me that I, I need to forgive, I need to forgive my partner on their wedding day. I called and I said, you need to continually forgive me. She said, I understand your problem because what well, you are perfect. What at all? What at all do I need to forgive? Like, what's the last thing? She thought it was one of those things. She just left it. She said, Papa. See, when the things were happening, I now understood what you were saying. Every day I'm forgiving, even now I'm forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> see, sometimes eh, we may see what you don't see. Sometimes even as what we see, we may not understand, but we are only supposed to tell you. And not the way you understand. So sometimes when the message comes to you, just speak it out and walk by it. Don't say it's not you. I'm not experiencing it, so it won't happen. Pick it up, pray about it. Pick it up, pray about it. And I said, part of the things that happen, I blame you. But I know. <laughs> if we listen to simple prophetic words that even come as advice, we will be able to maintain what God has given us. The instruction for this person was simply to forgive every time. And the person slack. Enjoy. Enjoying. Don't make enjoyment make you forget the prophetic word that has been given to you. Tell someone, don't make enjoyment make you forget the prophetic word that was given you. I've had these things, especially in relationship. Most times you talk to people, they don't really listen. It will happen as a bishop guy, yo. There is no glory in you coming to tell me, especially about evil things that Bishop, you said it, but it came to pass. When it comes to bad prophecies, I don't want it to come to pass. That's why I tell you. Find that most of you have the anointing to make the evil prophecies come to pass and the good prophecies. I don't know why. But you seem to have that anointing. Love is forgiveness. So long as both of you are from different families, different backgrounds, you will understand things differently and you will react to things differently. So one way or the other, today, tomorrow, you will step on each other's toes. But what keeps the relationship bliss is forgiveness. Forgiveness. I know some things are difficult. But then the Lord only gave us the standard for divorce. That any other thing aside his standard, you must not divorce, which is that according that divorce. So we must practice forgiveness in covenant fulfillment. And the reason why God wants us to practice forgiveness so that covenants can be fulfilled is that when we pray, our prayer will not be wasted. So that our oneness with Him, God, will not be broken. 
Because when his children speak, he hears them. And his children also hear his voice. But when there is unforgiveness, when his children speak, it becomes like noise to his ears. The book of Matthew 6, verse 14 to 15. Why are you doing that every time? 
It means that when you did an exam or did you spoke about issues that I let it go, I didn't let it go. All I'm supposed to speak about is the present thing that you did and to forgive the past. But when I make reference of the past things, it means that I'm not forgiving you. That is why we will not go to heaven and see our sins on the screen. Because it says he has forgiven us. His place is a place of glory, not a place of shame. So if we go to heaven and we go and say, hey, my pastor has done this, and hey, my pastor is not out here. Pastor, we are not going to go to the TM. TM. Stand on your way. See, you begin to feel a form of shame or disgrace for this particular pastor. What is the essence of that in heaven? So God is not going to show you that on the screen. So he teaches the way of forgiveness. But he forgives and he forgets. People say it is because he is God and he forgets. No. You two, you are God. That we are gods. We are made in the image of God in his likeness. In his likeness. So we are able to forgive and forget. It is absolutely let go. If you are telling me, oh, we are not God, so we can't forget this that people do to us, Master. Is it everything you remember about your life? Some of you might ask you what you ate for breakfast yesterday, you can't remember. They are not thinking what you ate. It means that you have an ability as a man to forget. But what you don't forget, you decide to hold it. You hold on to it. It's not because you have a good memory. No, no, no. Don't lie to yourself. You don't have a good memory. You should remember the scriptures we are reading every time. <laughs> you forget scriptures, but you don't forget that thing. It's not because you have a good memory. It's not because you are sharp. No. You choose what you, what you stay in your mind. Are you here? Tell someone, don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. When you want to ruin your relationship, guys, ladies, some don't want to laugh because they don't want to laugh with caught them. So they are like giving us your space. But they are laughing. Caught them. Some will be laughing, playing this one, we don't know it is them. Learn to let go. It's a sign that you are a Christian. And he says that the reason why you should let go of these things is because when you pray that your Father in heaven also will forgive you. In other words, Pastor Peter, if you do something against me and I don't forgive you, no matter whatever I do against you, no matter the prayer I pray, no matter the seed I sow, God will not forgive me until I have forgiven you. So it is in my own interest to forgive Pastor Peter so that God can forgive me. He says in the book of 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, that if we say we are Christians and we have no love, when we pray, we are like noise makers. We speak and our voice becomes like a clanging cymbal. It makes noise. You see, when you don't forgive your spouse, when you don't forgive your friend, when you don't forgive your husband, your wife, your partner, what happens is that when you begin to pray, God doesn't hear you. He hears your voice, but he hears noise. So, Father, I thank you for what you've done for me. Father, I need this and that. What God is hearing is noise. You are talking about all that is hearing is noise, sounds, but not your voice, not what you are saying. So it is important for us to forgive anyone who has offended us in any way. Tell someone, forgive. Forgive. 
Some of you, you've, you've held your father or mother inside you. And from that time you held them inside you, up to now, all the prayers we were praying were wasteful prayers. Thank you. Because me, Pastor Forgive that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. Forgive that when you pray, God will also answer you. I'm not the one saying it, the scripture. So when you don't forgive someone and you are praying, God that in this will answer you. And that is why one, one guy's problem here prophetically, the Lord said it was about unforgiveness and the issue he had. The moment he solved that issue, the problem ceased. Door open for him, he even traveled recently then. Because of forgiveness. Because of forgiveness. And he had been praying all this while for these things. He was joining big night crying for God to open that door for him. It wasn't happening. And all he needed to do was to just forgive. When you don't forgive, it leads you to your tormentors. Unforgiveness will hand you over to your tormentors. But when you begin to forgive, God has a way of shielding his own. Because you are operating in love and not in selfishness. Never pray in unforgiveness. And never pray in fear. Never pray in anger. All those prayers are wasteful prayers. Never pray in unforgiveness. Never pray in anger. And never pray in fear. All those prayers are wasteful prayers. Anytime you find yourself angry and you're supposed to pray, please don't calm down. If not, you are just doing exercise. Yes. It is you are just making noise. Calm down. That is why in those situations it is best to then listen to just worship songs to calm your spirit down. Then you can begin to speak. God doesn't answer to fear, he answers to faith. And that is why. It is wasteful prayer to pray in fear. Are we here? The book of Matthew 19. Let's do it 21, 21, 22. Let's do that one. That one. Matthew 18, 21. Alright. Then Peter came up to me. Okay. And said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me? Peter realized that, ah, Peter, come on, Peter, come on, 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 and he finds himself having issues with people. So he said, even though I'm a, even though I'm a disciple, even though I can do miracles, people are offending me too much. How many times should I, should I forgive them when they offend me? And Jesus said, what? How many times? Hmm? My brother sinned against me, and I forgive him, and let him go. Jesus answered him, I tell you, not up to seven times, but seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. Not up to seven times, not up to seven times, but seventy times seven. When forgiveness is done by, to mean that it is forgiveness, it must be perfected. It must be a perfect forgiveness. Seven, the number of perfection. That is why some of you, when you get broken heart, 
Everyone you meet, you want them to hear your story. Even though they don't know, they don't know the person. But you tell yourself you are healed. <laughs> you tell the person you are okay, but I'm not okay. You are there, the thing will hit you. Move to someone about it. It means you are not forgiven. Forgiveness must be perfected. Forgiveness must be perfected. So to what extent should I forgive someone? He said, forgive the perfect person up to perfection. The number 17 also means eternal. It means infinity. So up to what? Up to perfection and infinity. You will not stop forgiving the person. Infinity. Countless. Not up to seven, but 70 times seven. Up to infinity and perfection. Continuously, many times in perfection. You must forgive continuously, many times in perfection. Not halfway, but in perfection. Continuously, every time. 490. 70 times 7, as some of you are doing the calculation, is 490. Which simply means that the, by the time you do forgive someone of their sins, you count their sins and what they've done to you, the wrong they've done to you. By 490 times, you might have lost count. And by the time you also do that, it becomes your nature. Because continuous practice makes a habit. Continuous practice makes a habit. So by the time you get to 490 times, forgiveness has become a habit. But the reason why you have find it difficult to forgive is because you don't let go. And when you don't let go, you cannot heal. And that will affect the bliss of the relationship or the marriage. Tell someone, forgive. forgive. And it means, tell them that it means, it means. let go. go. Give it up. Leave it. it. Let it be. That is forgiveness. Now, from today, let me not hear you that you tell me that you're forgiving someone, you still talk about the person. Let me not hear that you say you're forgiving someone for what they've done and keep complaining about what they used to do. It's not forgiveness. Then again, we say this short. If you keep forgiving them and you they know that we are forgiving them, you keep doing it all. You must teach them that they don't know how to treat us. The way that treating us is not fine, let us teach them. He's the one that mounted the dog. Are you with me? Paul says, Romans 5, 20, 21. Just the more we see great abounds. Romans 5, 20, 21. Yes, please. But then law came in mm-hmm. to explain and increase the trespass, mm-hmm. making it more apparent and decisive for this shit. Mm-hmm. But where sin increased and abounded. So the law came that. Trespasses and sin will increase. But then again, when sin increases, grace abounds much more. Grace surpasses and increases the more. Forgiveness must be practiced ahead of time. We must practice practice future forgiveness or advanced forgiveness. Because where there is sin is that grace abounds more. The forgiveness of sin is not equal to the sin. 
The forgiveness of sin is more than the sin. Are we here? So, Pastor Peter, I must be ready to forgive you ahead of time, whatever you want to do to me. That is actually forgiveness. But if I can forgive you of what you do to me today and not tomorrow, I am not practicing forgiveness in love. That is selfishness. Knowing very well that I can step on your toe at any time and you decide to forgive me at any time. That is why we can celebrate our relationship for five years, two years, two years, two years anniversary, one year anniversary, ten years anniversary. It is an anniversary of forgiveness. Not just an anniversary of marriage. Anniversary of forgiveness in covenant. Maintaining that covenant of marriage by forgiving each other for this last ten years. If you and I have known each other for about seven years now, it is a life of forgiveness. If we are celebrating our relationship of seven years, we are celebrating our relationship of forgiveness. Do we understand this? So, celebrate yourself, not only the union, but celebrate yourself for being able to forgive all these years. Are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? So that your forgiveness must be more or higher than the sin of the person. Sometimes also you might not be someone who hurts you. Sometimes you might be yourself hurting yourself. You must learn to forgive yourself. Let it go. Else you keep hurting yourself. Then Paul asks in the chapter 6, the verse 1 and the verse 2. Shall we continue to sin that grace will abound more? Because we know that forgiveness is there. Shall we continue to sin? Shall we continue to hurt our partner because we, he or she will forgive us? Shall we continue to do so? Shall I continue to hurt my friend because I know my friend here, when in Akuma, I guess, into a forgiving me? He says that certainly not. Certainly not. For he that has Christ will say not. Certainly not. So if I have Christ, I will not walk in hurting you. I will not be habitually hurting you. As my friend, as my pastor. Certainly not. Why is Paul saying that even though there is enough forgiveness or there is much more grace, I shouldn't hurt you more? Why is he saying that? It is because 